Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome back to Stand Out, Get Noticed. Or maybe if it's your first time here, welcome. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm Christina Cantors. I'm your host, and I'm from The C Method. I'm all about helping you to build powerful communication skills so you can have more confidence, influence, and impact in the workplace. And that's what this podcast is all about. Now, if you like what you hear on the show, I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I publish other videos and posts um, about podcasting and, and building confidence in the workplace, and I would absolutely love to connect with you and see what you're up to. So go to LinkedIn, search for my name, Christina Cantors, um, connect with me and send a note so that I know that you're a listener. A shout out to Alex, um, a listener who connected with me recently. He um, did my free course. It's on, on my website. And he writes and says, I applied your advice for a killer presentation on my decluttering workshop, and I feel I would have been a mess without it. So it's awesome to hear, Alex, that that, um, that helped you. And um, thanks for connecting. Now, this week is all about being human, and this is a topic I've been getting into quite a bit recently, this focus on bringing your full self and breaking down those, you know, professional, polished perfectionism, you know, barriers that we tend to put up in the workplace. So I want you to have a think about how connected are you to the people you work with? Are you fully present and engaged or do you, as my, as you'll hear from my guest, she says, do you check your soul at the door before going into work? And um, that's what this podcast discussion is all about this week. And I'm really excited to introduce you to my very special guest, Celeste Halliday. She's a speaker, a trainer, and a leadership expert. And she's all about helping people um, become con- contagiously human at work. She helps organizations and individuals to improve their performance and build brilliant cultures through, you know, humanizing the workplace. She has awesome clients. She's worked with people from um, LinkedIn, Guardian Media, ANZ, BuzzFeed, and Movember. She's also a qualified psychotherapist. Um, she's also an experienced executive and former leader of a team of 2,000 people. And you're about to hear some of her stories around that. You know, she, she knows exactly what works and what doesn't when it comes to great leadership and culture. Now today, Celeste and I are discussing what it means to be contagiously human, that is to bring your whole self to work, be fully present with others, and to connect with them on a deep level. As you're about to discover, it requires a level of vulnerability, self-inquiry, and a willingness to be open and curious to others' behaviours. Now, creating deep connections like these might be out of your comfort zone, but it's key to fostering stronger and more meaningful relationships in the workplace. So if you want to have high levels of productivity and performance and better relationships, then keep listening to this episode. Celeste also shares her own journey of letting go of her perfectionism and her need to be bulletproof, which is totally awesome. I'm so glad she shared it. All right, so show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash 214. You ready? Let's meet Celeste Halliday. I think the business world is moving very, very fast and technology is integrating with our work lives and our personal lives in a way we've never experienced before. 
And with that comes a real emphasis on actually further developing what I call our human skills. So what used to be termed soft skills, a lot of times in organisations we're realising other things that define great leadership, that build brilliant cultures, that power high performance in teams. And the key one for me is the ability to deeply connect with ourselves and deeply connect with other people, to have very human relationships, whether you are a leader or or a peer in an organisation. Mm. And is this something that you've had a, a a particularly strong connection with during your time, you know, over mm. your the course of your career? Yeah, I mean, I um, I unexpectedly ended up leading a business in the UK, and I had previously only had a team of thirty people, and then I only thirty, s- only thirty people, <laughs> and then I suddenly had a team of you know, uh, heading up towards 2000. Oh, my God. How does that happen? I, that's another whole long other story. <laughs> <laughs> so I realised, and this is really where my business came from, I had a bit of an epiphany that I needed to change the business results of this organisation. And it was in a sector I'd never worked in before. And um, it was in learning disability, mental health, substance misuse, and I'd always been in corporates. So the passion and purpose of that organisation really connected with me on a personal level and I desperately wanted to improve their performance and their results so that they could mm. help more people. So I um, I realised that I put into place a lot of the things I'd been telling everyone else to do around leadership my whole career and then I realised that a lot of them just didn't work in practice. So they're great in theory and I was a big reader about, you know, neuroscience and leadership but on a practical level it doesn't always work and it certainly doesn't scale with that number of people. Can you give an example of those sorts of things that you learned but weren't really working. Yeah, I think there's a lot written about how to manage change and transformation in organisations. And it's kind of rhetoric. We know change doesn't actually work because what we're not doing is bring it down to an individual human level. You know, what is that person fearing about the change that's holding them back from getting on board? Um, And until we actually treat people as individuals and not a mass, we don't affect change. So when you had this team of 2,000 people, how did you go about creating that change? Well, I made a lot of mistakes <laughs> to start with. Um, I tried to – I knew what I wanted. I'd had some good leaders and I'd more particularly had leaders that weren't great and I think I learned more from the ones that I had a bad experience with than I did the good. Um, I had a whole list of things I was never going to do, a bit like a parent, you know, yep. all the things you're <laughs> never going to do to your children. And so I, I had them at the front of my mind about things to avoid um, but the, probably the biggest mistake I made in that role was that I thought I had to be super slick and shiny. I had to be better and brighter than everyone else. I had to work harder. I had to work longer. Uh, and I had to be bulletproof so that no one could question what I was suggesting we did. And I learned really quickly that that did not work at all. Um, and had a lot of conversations about, you know, letting more of myself into my role and being open about the passion I felt for the business and the people in the business, um, being angry about some of the injustice I saw, um, mm. you know, uh, connecting with how difficult the roles were, you know, not telling people they just had to do more with less, which seems to be a real, you know, commercial perspective. Um, how, did that, how did that affect you on the inside, mm. feeling this need to be this bulletproof, shiny mm 
perfect human. Well, I'm a uh, recovering perfectionist. So so that was actually really comfortable for me. Um, You know, Brené Brown talks about perfectionism being armoring up against the world. That if you are, you know, slick and shiny on the outside, then people can't really see what's underneath. And so I'd spent many years perfecting my perfectionism. And this was an exercise in breaking that down. I, I didn't know what I was doing all the time. I did make mistakes. I wanted desperately to do a good job and it was a very vulnerable position for me. Was there a moment, like a turning point or a light bulb moment where you went, oh. I had a really difficult experience where somebody had to be um, managed out of the business, a really senior person. And they were very good at their job in many ways, but also there were a lot of things that they they couldn't be um, they couldn't do in our organisation. It wasn't a good fit anymore, mm. especially with us transforming. They really wanted to stick with what was happening before, and I um, I found the the conversations really challenging because I liked this person, you know, and I could see all the positives in them as well as the challenges. And I remember the day we decided to part ways. Um, this person said to me. Um, can I can I come back to you as my mentor? Will you, will you mentor me in my next role? And it was uh, for me a groundbreaking, you know, um, affirmation that we had handled that together in a way that was really human and very real. Um, and I was her referee for her next job, uh, and it could have gone terribly wrong because it was highly emotional and everything at the time. So really how that happened was she she gave me some very strong feedback about my style and how I was handling it and I probably was shocked enough to listen and handled it in a better way that you know that worked for her. Mm. And then it was in that moment you you realized, "Hey, this being human thing this works. is actually okay. Check it out." <laughs> <laughs> so then what did you start to do then with the rest of your team? Well, we um I had a lot of conversations with my my team who were then leading other people in the organization about how to be real and you know, how to listen to people. And I started doing a lot of reading about being human at work. Um, and practicing that myself and trying to get my team to practice that as well. Um, and when I went and started my own consultancy after that, it was really on the basis that I was just seeing so many people walk into office buildings, big office buildings. I was in London and um, checking their souls out at the door. And you see the same thing here. A lot of people are disconnected in their workplaces from themselves, from the work they're doing, from the organisation. And I wanted to change the way that work worked. I wanted people to feel like they could bring their whole self to work. Mm. I wanted particularly my children. I had children, which was not something I had planned. Um, and it was a beautiful surprise. And I, I think when you become a mum, you start to realise that everyone is someone's child. And that's not a way to live life. I just got shivers when you said that. <laughs> like, it's so powerful when you can have that empathy for people mm. and realise, oh, they're they're just human like me. Yeah. They've got their own issues, yeah. their own challenges. That is one of the things that helps me the most when I'm speaking to an audience yeah. and I'm feeling nervous. I think they're just people. Yeah. They've got the same insecurities. Yeah. You know, they've got, you know, sick parents or, you know, broken sul- hearts, broken hearts sulky yeah. teenage children, yeah. you know, they're in debt, you know, yeah. they've got everyone's got their own challenges yeah. and that that's so powerful mm. to just re- getting you relaxed yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And not that I suggest everyone comes to work with all of their personal problems Mm. on display, but when you're able to say, look, I'm not having a good day, Uh, I'm really struggling, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss of me and I'll get on top of my mood, but this is not about you. I call it showing your wiring, letting the people around you know this is what's going on behind without necessarily having to divulge anything personal. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, Celeste, what was the hardest part for you about making this personal transformation to be more human? Mm, it's very exposing, you know, when you allow yourself to be seen, genuinely seen and vulnerable and allow yourself to make mistakes. Um, it's when you've spent a, a lifetime crafting, a, you know, an ideal personality that you think is bulletproof and it's really hard to pull it apart and let yourself be seen in a different way. Can you give an example of a day-to-day situation? It could just be a really simple, you know, maybe at the water cooler or in a meeting or just an everyday situation where – and give me a before and after mm. of what before bulletproof perfectionist Celeste look like yeah. and after human connected Celeste look like. Yeah. I think actually the biggest thing was not what I was doing or saying. The biggest thing for me was um, listening differently. Okay. Because I, well, when you go into any conversation with somebody with an intention of actually being there for them, connecting with them, seeing them fully and hearing what they've got to say, one of my favorite terms, which came out of um, the health system in London, is listening with fascination. And I love everything about the demeanor of that. You can sort of see how your body changes when you're fascinated with someone. And our world is disconnected. We're, we're having surface level relationships, particularly with technology. And we have such an opportunity to connect people to themselves by listening to them and allowing them to be seen. And when we do that and sort of get out of our own way about what we're trying to get across and who we're trying to be, when we just relax and be there and hold space for another person, then connection happens very naturally. So it's about really taking that pressure off or taking the focus off ourselves and focusing on the other person. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, psychologists uh, say that we spend up to 80% of our time doing what they call covering at work. So if you think about how to get a performance or productivity uplift in your team, if you could take 20% off the time they're trying to position or, you know, manage the perception of them in the business or be political and put that into the results that they were trying to achieve, you're, you're changing your results without even really trying. But people have to be aware they're doing it. It's, it's even, you know, an email. You think about you write an email and then you go back and craft it. So it has the right message and it says the right thing and it's in line with your brand. And that's neither human nor real nor personal. You know, we hide behind email um, and we cover up who we are with this version that we want to be. Hey, Rockstar. Are you a passionate, driven leader and you want to take your leadership and career to the next level? I'm guessing you might be because you're listening to this podcast. But maybe you're struggling with your feelings of self-doubt and anxiety and perfectionism, which is, you know, it's pretty common. Now, if that sounds like you and you're ready to commit to making big changes and feeling good about your contribution and your level of success, then I invite you to apply for the C-Method one-on-one coaching program. Now, you may have heard me talk about my group programs before on the podcast. Now, my one-on-one programs are for women and men women and men who want personalized coaching specific to their individual needs. This is not for you if you want just a couple of coaching sessions. That's not the type of work I do. This is for you if you have a long-term approach to developing your confidence, communication, and leadership skills. So if that sounds like you, I invite you to apply for the program. We will set up 
a discovery call where we will explore if working together is a good fit for us. The discovery call is free and there is no obligation to sign up for anything. Not at all. To apply, go to thecmethod.com slash coaching. Um, The link is also in the description of this podcast app. That's thecmethod.com slash coaching. Okay, let's go back to the show. I've done a lot of work around, you know, communicating well with different people and there's all different communication styles at work. Some people are very direct and to the point. Other people are are more indirect and have maybe a softer approach in the Mm. way that they speak. Is there still validity in communicating effectively with though with different types of people and maybe shifting our style, but also being human? You know, because yeah, because I guess what you're saying it could be interpreted as I'm just going to be me and just let it all out, and yeah. I don't care what you think or what you say. Yeah. This is just me. I'm just expressing my truth. Mm. So, what what are your comments on that? Uh, my first comment is that that is a very dangerous attitude to have. <laughs> Um, I think that part of becoming a leader and evolving as a human is actually managing ourselves. And I don't mean covering up, but I do mean being super aware of the impact we're having on other people. And a lot of the work I do with big organisations is around um, establishing an inclusive leadership style. And for me, we should be able to work effectively with anyone. Mm. But we've all had that experience where we meet somebody and immediately they rub us up the wrong way. We have an immediate negative response to them. Um, And I've seen those relationships absolutely transform by teaching them to find common ground. Because as soon as, you know, really a lot of the difference that happens in those personality styles or backgrounds or whatever is actually just about that. It's about different. I'm different to you Mm. therefore I don't understand you therefore at some level I fear you and so what we need to do is teach people to see through that and to hack their own brain's response which is very immediate and um, to pause and to think what what can I respect about this person if not like how can I connect with them what is our common ground and it can be something really quite silly. You know, I often use chocolate as an example. Sometimes finding out that you both love orange chocolate lint is very connecting in a way that you couldn't find any common ground with that person before. So is that something you would do in a day-to-day conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I teach people how to connect with anyone and not in a manipulative way, in a very genuine way. And certainly not a, I am what I am. Good luck with that. Mm. Very much um, it's about first connecting with me, so understanding, you know, what are my beliefs that are driving my behaviour? So what is it about this person that's triggering me? What is it about them that's making me not like them instantly? Where's that come from? And when you start to dig, you can normally figure it out. And once you change your belief, you know, this person is rude, brash, whatever, in my face, then um, or cold, withdrawn, then you can, once you've changed that, you can change your behavior with them, which obviously changes the outcome of the relationship. Mm. That does take quite a lot of reflection yeah. And, yeah. And, and self-inquiry, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's a journey. This is not, I talk about leadership being a practice like meditation. None of us are ever the finished article. It's uh, We're all on a journey with this. Yeah. So do you see that this, that, that anyone can adopt this way of thinking? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, um, without being too kind of twee about it, if you think about solving some of the world's biggest problems, individual humans being able to see past their differences and connect deeply with them at a human level would solve a lot of mm. big issues that we have. Yeah, for sure. And what do you see that 
coming from, you know, with the work that you do with your clients, mm. when people are able to connect with each other yeah. over seemingly small things, yeah. what sort of impact does this then have? Yeah, well, we start small, but we go deep. Yeah. Um, it, it totally transforms performance within a team, within an organisation, builds brilliant, open, inclusive cultures that are very much based on trust because you can't have connection without a level of trust. And when people trust each other, they're willing to um, collaborate really effectively. They're willing to innovate and risk, you know, put their hand up for things they might not have, not just play a safe game because they don't feel safe. Mm. And what about working with people across all different levels? Mm. How do you find, you know, because I know there's many people out there who they're happy to speak and connect with their peers, but as yeah. soon as you work with someone or meet with someone who's at a more senior level to mm. you or if they're an expert or they've got much more experience, this can often be quite intimidating for a lot of people. Yeah. So how does that work in terms of like, you know, how can we connect with people at that level? And I think um, you talk about confidence quite a lot. And I think one of the key things is um, working on your sense of self, you know, knowing that you have something of value to give without being driven by ego. Mm -hmm. I work with lots of big global organisations where they're trying to connect across you know, countries across boundaries. And it's really hard to build a sense of community and trust and connection when you're physically not with each other. But it's amazing um, how quickly you can build that when you encourage people to be very human with each other. So regardless of the power difference, um, understanding that it's just another human who who is, you know, suffering from the same human condition as you, who is also, as we said before, you know, brokenhearted, has family problems, you know, has financial issues. When you can remember that, and stop making it so much about you, you can very much shift your attention from in to out and be with that other person in a very different way. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's great. You you talking before about connecting with yourself because yeah. that's clearly very important. If you're not connected to yourself, mm. it's very difficult to then connect with others. Yeah. For someone who is getting started in their journey, who is starting to do some work on themselves but still not, you know, you know, are fully, you know, immersed in it, mm. what can someone start to do to develop a stronger connection to themselves? Mm. Um, I think there's a, many ways to do that. I often direct people to Brene Brown's work because it's brilliant around vulnerability and mm. shame um, and it's very um, – it's something most people can connect with personally. She tells a lot of great stories about her own experience. Um, and it starts a conversation in a safe way because we're not talking about having to go and, you know, see a psychotherapist and delve deep into stuff. It can happen at a very gentle level to start with, just to start to understand what your blind spots are, to to be curious about your reaction when other people interact with you. You know, we can tell most of the time when we've rubbed somebody up the wrong way or something hasn't gone well. And, you know, giving ourselves permission to pause and be curious about that and not self-flagellate, but actually be a bit amused with ourselves, like what went wrong there? What did I just do? How can I now bridge that back mm. is a really good way to start. Yeah. And being kind to yourself as well. Mm. Self-compassion is pretty important because yeah. none of us are perfect, turns out. <laughs> as much as, as hard as we try, yeah, exactly. it just doesn't get there. No. It doesn't get there. So when we talk about change, Celeste, um, you know, it sounds what you're saying, it sounds like the results that happen mm. are quite huge. You know, they're they, they you know, they're making huge changes to performance. Does this require us to make large changes, mm. large adjustments as we're going about mm. 
you know, becoming more human. Yeah. I think um, the term I often use is micro adjustments. So often it's a case of I really encourage people to experiment and to have that kind of attitude with their interpersonal stuff as much as with their work stuff. So whether I'm coaching an individual or working with a team, I'll set up experiments with them where they're going to go and try a particular behaviour. Um, so if we take listen with fascination, um, they might for the week focus on changing the way that they interact with every person that they speak to that week to genuinely listen, to not feel that they have to push their perspective or their, you know, their positioning um, across. And just that small adjustment, that small level of self-awareness um, and checking in with them, you know, holding them a bit accountable. How did it go? What did you do? What went well? What didn't go well? What are you going to do differently next time? then it gives you permission again to just try not to feel like you have to flick a switch and be the finished article. Mm. And especially just, yeah, focusing on that one small thing. That's actually, you know, being able to listen without freaking out about, what am I going to say next? Yeah. That's that's not easy to do. No. Managing the pause, sitting with silence is not something we're used to because particularly with social media technology, we're used to really instant responses. You know, think the way we text each other and message each other. It's so true. It's so fast. Um, And one of the things, you know, I often talk to people about that's going to transform individual and team performance is about being able to do what um, Cal Newport calls deep work. So being able to sit and think deeply and work deeply on a difficult problem. And we're losing our ability to do that. We're just doing fast transactional surface relationships and results, you know, very quarterly focused, and that's not going to get us where we need to go. So we actually need to build the pathway in our brain to be able to sit in silence with people, sit in silence with work and the discomfort of that to come up with something. That's where creativity comes from. You know, like you sit there and it – it, it, it sort of emerges from the silence. Or like standing in line at the bank yeah. without looking at your phone. <laughs> or at the train or, station. Or, yeah, at the train or waiting for your coffee. Just that's something that I've been practicing, yeah. just not looking at my phone just yeah. or eating, you know, I eat lunch here in my co-work space and I have my lunch there yeah. and I'm eating it and I don't look at my phone. Mm. And I can look around now and I can see people through the window eating lunch on looking their at their phone. phone, on their phone or on yeah. their computer. Yeah. Um, we're so terrified of just being alone. Being with ourselves because yes. when you're with yourself, you see things you don't want to see. It's terribly uncomfortable. Whereas if you distract yourself all the time, you can give yourself a little bit of um, pretend connection. But, you know, the whole point of social media is to give you a little shot of dopamine. That's yeah. what likes are. It's the same as your sugar high. It's the same as gambling. You know, they're all addictive um, processes that are training our brains to have this shallow sugar hit of dopamine rather than the deep connection that comes with friendship of, you know, of oxytocin, um, which is the love drug, you know, where you, yeah. you, that's what you get when you speak to somebody who cares about you and you care about them. And it's a very different thing. It doesn't leave the body quickly. It stays with you. You know, there's a couple of um, – the couple of the managers here at Engine House, which is where we're recording this, my co-work space, they are they do exactly what you you say, Celeste. That they they listen with fascination, and they are some of the most present people mm. I've ever met. And something that I've noticed when I speak to them, they'll they'll ask me, "Hey, how are you? How's your day?" But it's not in that sort of flippant, "How are you?" Yeah. That people and then walk away that people don't really yeah. care. Yeah, and I'll explain to them, "Oh, yeah, this is what's happening," and they'll just 
look at me and listen and go, right. Mm. And it's and I actually feel I think to myself, aren't you really busy? Like, don't you have other things to do? Why are you spending but, time on me? Why? Yeah, and and I get the but I get the what the way I feel is that they have all the time in the world mm. right now. Yeah. And they are spending it with me yeah. and they've got nothing else on their agenda to do yeah. but stand here and ask me questions about my day. Yeah. And it is such an incredible feeling mm. to feel that. And it's kind of sad that you don't get that very often, mm. that it is so surprising. Mm. But for them to be able to do that make they, makes them stand out to me yeah. as just brilliant humans, yeah. you know, brilliant people. Yeah. Um, and it's not – and what's amazing is that it's not complicated. Like it really isn't no. and we can all do it. Um, and it's not hard like in terms of it's not, it doesn't take a huge amount of work to have that effect on people. Mm. It's just being present. Yeah. Being present with an intention, you know, yes. of, of actually Simon Sinek says that one of the signs of a great leader is um, asking somebody how they are and actually caring about the answer. And I love that because we're sort of taught these patterns and processes around leadership, but it all really comes down to, you know, one of the key things is about care. It's genuinely making a decision to care for other people. Yeah, for sure. And I think if we can all cultivate that, just the just a little bit, you know, it encourages other people to yeah. to do the same as well. Yeah. Well, Celeste, it's been so wonderful chatting with you and thank you so much for being so generous and sharing, you know, your thoughts and wisdom with us. Can you tell us a bit more about um, the consultancy that you run and, and the work you do with your clients? Sure. Um, my consultancy is called Celeste Halliday and I work with um, startups and large corporates individuals and teams to build brilliant cultures and to to build connection, to remove silos in the organisation so that people can genuinely collaborate um, and and drive positive high performance and a great place to work. Mm. Which of those, because there's, there's a few, few different groups mm. of organisations there, which of those do you find the most challenging? See, it's so funny. I love them both for different reasons and it's yeah. why I'm in both markets and yeah. not just in one because in the startup market, people are very passionate and purpose-led. They're mm. very clear on why they're there and there's a real tipping point in startups where they get to about 50 people and then it's a real choice about how they manage their culture, the DNA that made them special, that made them, you know, and it's often around how they're connected with each other and to their purpose to hold that and not water it down. Um, I've worked with LinkedIn since they were small, about 10 years, wow. you know, smallish. And um, watching them, you know, struggle with the, the how to manage your culture and the evolution of it and to keep that DNA so strong so that it doesn't um, get lost as the business expands is fascinating. Mm. And often the large corporates, um, they're trying to find that deep connection with purpose again um, and, and have their people really engaged around it. So there's a lot of what I call cross-pollinating between the two two kind of client groups where I learn a lot and they learn a lot from each other. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And it definitely sounds like you, you, you'd, you'd be able to take those learnings across to, to those different yeah, clients and yeah. have them learn from each other. Well, they've both got so much to learn from each other. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Celeste, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, on LinkedIn um, or on my website, celestehalliday.com. Um, I'm always very happy to connect with people, given that that's what I'm interested in doing. Um, and it's been a, an absolute pleasure speaking with you this afternoon too, Christina. Thanks, Celeste. Thanks. 
Big thanks to Celeste Halliday for being such a generous and wonderful guest on the show this week. You can find out more about what she does at celestehalliday.com. That link will also be in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 214. And of course, for any links mentioned in the episode or show notes or whatever, um, if you look at the description in your podcasting app, you will find it there as well. And before I leave you, remember to connect with me on LinkedIn. I can't wait to see what you've been up to and uh, check out check out some of the posts you publish. And that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>